dear. Phone, stop yelling at me. Knock it off. Oh, Don't no. talk to me, all right? Knock it off. <laughs> Ryan Leaf content hot right now? Is is that what the teens are into? Um, they all love Ryan Leaf. Leafcore, they call it. I, Oh, my God, no. What, 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 what is Leafcore even? Is it just, like, fucking throwing, like, fucking seam smoker out? Is it, are we just doing that now? Is that what the kids are I'm, into? I'm thinking big t-shirts. Big t-shirts. Hey! Uh, probably, some, probably some big shorts, too. Just, like, based on that era. Uh, and, yeah. So, now, all these fucking Leafcore lesbians on the fucking Tumblr. They're just so annoying. <laughs> oh, Lord. I dressed like a leafcore lesbian in the 2000s <laughs> myself. So, <laughs> I mean, I was I was a child, so I didn't quite understand how tragic the fashion of 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 the 2000s was until like I guess relatively recently. Just like wow, uh huh. Glad that I never had to be a teen during this time. That sounds rough. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, no one no one looked good. No one no. was out here dressing. No, you either looked like Paris Hilton and you had like these low rise uh shorts, which thank God those aren't coming back because I Horrible. Girl Horrible. Girl, I can't pull that shit off. <laughs> um Nah, there's a zero percent chance I could. Um Low Rise shorts, you also had like these five XL tall tail tall T shirts. I love those things because they just look so ridiculous on a dude that was like 150 pounds. Like, <laughs> like that was the, that was the style. You had saggy jeans uh, that were like two sizes too big, and you bought them that way intentionally, and that was the style back then. Yeah, um, I was about like the the most popular boy haircut on earth. Like when I was in like middle school, mm -hmm. was that very very swoopy Bieber haircut kind of you know yeah yeah I can that was see like that. that was like the the haircut so like there are there are absolutely photos of me at age 11 rocking that fucking swoop uh yeah I mean it's better than me there's probably there is probably at least one photo of me with like fucking cornrows because fuck yeah <laughs> so it's so good Justin Timberlake back in the day used to wear cornrows, and mm -hmm. and I swear to God, every white kid that this was like ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, maybe two thousand two, you had to you had to rock the cornrows. Like I I saw white dudes with cornrows, which that should never happen in a million years, but that is what happened. It was it was a terrible time. It, it like. I wore a sports jersey basically every single day from like, um, from like sixth grade all the way up to like eleventh grade. Holy uh, shit! Um, what was um, what's in your like standard rotation then? Okay, I had a Carmelo Anthony Denver Nuggets jersey. A, Sick. A LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers jersey. I had a New York Rangers hockey jersey. Uh, I had a Reggie Bush, which you've probably seen me in that one because I 
put it on for Twitter a few days ago. Um, I had a Johnny Unitas Louisville Cardinals jersey. What? <laughs> How? Uh, they made them back then. I bought all my jerseys off eBay, and they had a Johnny Unitas Louisville Cardinals jersey that was 5XL, and I bought that shit and wore it. Any intentional forward movement of his hands starts a forward pass, even if the player loses possession of the ball as he is attempting to tuck it back towards his body. Also, if the player has tucked the ball into his body and then loses possession, it is a fumble. Like, I got over the tuck rule, but I still think about the tuck rule. Do you not believe the tuck rule was appropriately applied? I do not. I do not. Hello, folks. We got another tuck rule for you. We aren't gone yet. Uh, We have, once again, escaped God's wrathful eye for yet another week. Uh, Yeah, we're here. I'm Victoria. I say this part of the intro every week, and I'm really good at it. Um, I'm joined, as always, by my darling co-host, Katie. Say what's up, Katie. The trannies are in the house again, and we are doing great. As is previously established Tuck Rule canon, you you have never been to a Waffle House, correct? Never. Not once ever. Certainly, then, you live in an area where there are not any (laughs) Waffle Houses, right? (laughs) Oh, you mean the one that's like three miles from my house? If I, man, if I live somewhere within driving distance of a Waffle House, I would make some bad decisions. Um, <laughs> anyway, Waffle Houses. When a certain Jeff Collins, former Temple head coach, took the Georgia Tech coaching job in 2019, uh, he sold his tenure by... Uh, by sort of going at it from an aggressively Atlanta point of view, I think is fair to say. Um, He definitely sold himself um, as the guy who was going to make Georgia Tech cool in the city of Atlanta um, with a lot of just, like, very, very surface-level Atlanta-like cultural signifiers. It's like, oh, oh, look, Waffle House, you know? Jeff Collins... It did not make Georgia Tech cool. No, he <laughs> I think didn't. it's fair to say. No, he and, did uh, not. He has lost his job. So he has. Yeah, I'm interim coach at another program. Isn't that interesting? It's three mm. in three weeks. God damn! How do I do it? How do I? How do I, the greatest transsexual of all time, do it? <laughs> Katie is just racking up interim head coaching tenures like <laughs> like nothing yeah georgia tech's open huh yeah uh, i think you probably have a better sense of this than i do um do you th- do you think that georgia tech can actually ever again punch somewhat evenly with georgia like they did under the like under paul johnson's tenure not as long as kirby smart is at georgia um that's I think that that has gone out the window. I think you're dealing with a program that needs to shoot for seven and five or eight and four. That's your perfect year every year. That's what you're shooting for. Maybe you go nine and three. Maybe you go 10 and two and make the ACC title game. Shit. I don't know, but 
you definitely have to lower your expectations if you're Georgia Tech, and you have to you have to bite the bullet, and you have to go after an option coach of some kind. It doesn't have yes. to be it doesn't have to be Kennesaw State's head coach. It doesn't have to be Todd Munkin at Army. You just have to lower your expectations with this job because it's always going to be challenging. The academic restrictions are always going to be there. I've had Georgia Tech assistant coaches tell me that before. Um, that they're so limited in terms of how they can recruit and how they can coach that. I mean, the way it was put to me is this. Your your easy slide-in major is not like a sports management thing or anything like that. Sorry to you sports management majors out there. <laughs> It's catching shrapnel. It's a it's a business like you're going into like a business major, which is still kind of bullshit, but for an entirely different reason. You know, it's still it's still a hard thing to do, and Georgia Tech's always going to have that problem. So they need to, like I said, lower your expectations, hit the gym, Facebook up. Although they probably <laughs> um, don't want to Facebook up. Yeah. <laughs> I think that a lot of people are rushing straight to Jamie Chadwell and like, I understand why they're doing it. I don't, I don't think they're going to go back to the option. No, no, no. they're too proud Uh, to do that, which I mean, I don't, in a sense, I don't blame them because Atlanta has all these athletes and you feel like that it gives you a better chance to compete with the big boys. If you do go with a, with a, with the traditional college offense nowadays um but they absolutely need to go back to the triple option like i feel like that's something that has to happen for them to be competitive again uh we were saying it jokingly in the pre-show but like it took jeff collins more than three years to not successfully get this team out of the triple option uh it took clay helton at georgia southern like a week (laughs) so just hire him he knows how to do it he could have done it all those years ago oh my god yeah yeah of course the problem is is that georgia southern uh the academic requirements are how do i put this how do i put this kindly not exactly the same as georgia techs would you call georgia southern a fallback school yes (laughs) okay okay not really, uh, not a lot of kids that I grew up with in the Buffalo suburbs were looking particularly strongly at Georgia Southern. Georgia Tech's open, folks. And, uh, it was, uh, I mean, outside of that, it was a, it was a sleepier, uh, college football Saturday, I think. Or just sort of, like, general football weekend as a whole. Um, we aren't gonna talk about Tennessee, and we'll tell you why at the end of the episode. But we're going to talk about everything else. So, uh, Katie, let's uh, let's get us going. All right. Let's get some scores going on the board here. Okay, we start with number one, 30, Georgia 39, Kent State 22. This was such a weird fucking game. Like, I Georgia did not look crisp at all, which you would expect that. They only... I mean, they still had 529 yards of total offense. Um Kent State was able to gain 281 and look somewhat competent. But it's weird. This Kent State team made the MAC championship game last year. Um, but they're 1-3 yeah. this year. Kent State, like, even by MAC standards, tends to go out of its way to schedule, like, several Power 5 coaches. Like, 
or power five schools every year yeah um like they always have hard ass schedules um oh yeah so i usually like so usually they are kind of behind the eight ball on that like this year they played washington oklahoma and georgia which why would you do that to yourself mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Georgia. Georgia has a very easy schedule coming up. Um, it's at Missouri, then Auburn, then Vanderbilt. Then they finally have a test at the cocktail party against Florida, and then they play Tennessee on November fifth. So, um, yeah, this is this is a very easy schedule for Georgia, and if they don't go at least ten and two, it will be a failed season. Oh, they're making the playoff. Oh, yeah. They gotta. Yeah, I'd say that's probably accurate. Number two, Alabama 55, Vanderbilt 3. There aren't really a ton of notes from this game. Vanderbilt only had 129 yards of total offense after looking somewhat competent in the three games before this one. Um, Alabama had 628 yards of total offense, including 400 passing yards. Bryce Young had another good game. Um, Ja'Cory Brooks had another good game. (sighs) Vanderbilt just looked absolutely out of their depth, which you would expect. Number three, Ohio State 52, Wisconsin 21. Wisconsin was never in this game to begin with. The game was 31-7 at half, and Ohio State kind of went berserk from there. They they got up 45-7. It was a terrible game for wisconsin they scored two touchdowns late to make it 21 to 52 as the final wisconsin only had 296 yards of total offense uh, ohio state had 539 um ohio state had 258 yards rushing jesus christ they had yeah ohio state i think at the end of the first quarter if i'm not mistaken um ohio state had two points less than wisconsin had yards <laughs> that sounds about right um yeah ohio state schedule um not exactly the easiest but you know you got rutgers coming up then you're at michigan state then you're against iowa and then you're at penn state and then at northwestern um yeah like this team's gonna cruise to michigan like we all kind of know that but yeah probably yeah might lose a weird one in there Number four, Michigan 34, Maryland 27. Uh, I thought Talia Tonga-Valoa was dealing in this game for a little while. He he was 20 of 30 for 207 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, but I feel like that kind of masks how well he played. Maryland was competitive all throughout this game, and Michigan looked like they had their hands full against this Maryland team. This Maryland team is pretty freaking good, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maryland, I mean... September Maryland is like a thing at this point. Um, yeah, but, but I think they like showed pretty well here. I'm also not. I think I'm also pretty confident saying that Michigan isn't what they were last year. Yeah, um, no, they're not. And I mean, the reason we are talking about Michigan as the number four team in the country is probably because of the schedule more than anything else. I mean, when you schedule Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn to begin the year, then you have Maryland. You are going to Iowa next week, and that game always produces some funky results. So, I can't tell you for sure that they're going to go undefeated, 
but I feel like that they will go undefeated to that Ohio State game and then just get absolutely torched. Anyways, we get to number five, Clemson 51, Wake Forest 45. This was a double overtime affair, um, over a thousand yards of total offense. DJ Uangalele uh, played probably as well as I've ever seen him play. 26 of 41, 371 yards, five touchdowns. Wonderful performance from DJU. Um, Sam Hartman also played well, 20 of 29, 337 yards, six touchdowns. Was pretty much back and forth the entire way. Clemson was up 20 to 14 at halftime. Wake came back to make it 28-20. Then Wake Forest and Clemson are at 35-28, and then it's 38-38 going into overtime. Both teams score a touchdown on the first possession of overtime, but Clemson scores a touchdown and Wake ends up getting picked off in the end zone. And that is how uh, the game ends. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's honestly, um, it is, it is, um, and you know, obviously Wake did not win this game. Um, but it's kind of shocking to me how Wake can just kind of go toe to toe with Clemson in the trenches and like hold their own, pull their own weight there. Yeah. Like, Clemson has trenches problems. Um, yeah, on offense, to on offense some degree at least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an ongoing problem. I I don't know. Anyways, but I think Wake Forest, they're for real. They go on the road to face Florida State this week, and that will be a very interesting contest on ABC. Um, and then they have Army again, which that was a fun game last year. <laughs> Oh good lord! I did not know. I did not know that we were getting another round of that. Oh boy! I love it. I freaking love it. Our next score is Kansas State forty-one, Oklahoma for thirty-four. Kansas State was up fourteen to nothing at one point in this game, and then Oklahoma came battling back. But Kansas State was up twenty-four seventeen during uh, halftime. Oklahoma came back. But it wasn't enough, and Kansas State won the game. I good can't we all thought that Kansas State had the potential to do this, and I think after the after the um after the Tulane game, uh, yeah, after the Tulane game, we all kind of thought that Kansas State was kind of out of it for a little bit. But they've always had this potential to turn it on and have these big games against these teams that are very, very good, and Oklahoma is one of those teams. I thought Oklahoma would put up more than 34 points in this game. Um, but, yeah. but, I mean, they still gained 550 yards of total offense compared to 509 for Kansas State, so they did win the yardage battle. It's just... And the total yards battle, too. It's just Kansas State uh, monopolized the ball a little bit. They had the ball for 35 minutes. And they were able to keep the ball away from Oklahoma. And that is mostly how they won the game. Um, Adrian Martinez played well this game. 21-34, 234 yards, one touchdown through the air. 148 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kansas State can run the ball. Oh, yeah. Oh, most definitely. And that will help them out going into Big 12 play. So... Good for them. Good for them. Um, yeah, Kansas State kind of, uh, they kind of have a habit of doing this to Oklahoma at this point, I think. Good for them. Anyways, 
we get to number 23, Texas A&M 23, Arkansas number, which was number 10, uh, 21. Weird game. Arkansas was about to go up 21-7 before a fumble rip made it, um, made it. One of the most brutal, brutal swings I've ever seen in my life. Like KJ Jefferson, who's just a big, big, beautiful lummox makes (laughs) just a very unwise move with the ball. Um, and yeah, it ends up being a full 14 point swing, which is just horribly brutal. Yep. Um, and then like, I don't, I don't mean to kind of skip over the rest of the game, but, uh, the end to this game is like one of, one of the most thorough gut punches I've like ever seen. I thought this field goal was going in for like 99% of the time. I thought that this field goal was going in. It just, mm. it's painful. I've, there's, um, there were two special teams things that happened this week that I'd never seen before, and one of them was in the NFL, and we'll get to it. But yeah. Just, just, just an absolute horrific bounce. Yeah, Um, I've I I have been watching football for basically all of my 32 years on this planet, and I have never seen anything like that before. Where off the top of the post, just, just off, off the top of the fucking goalpost. I always wondered what would happen in that case, and it turns out that the field goal would be no good. It just bounced right in front of the goalpost like a hopeless. It just bounced in front of the goalpost like a hopeless child trying to get his favorite. Well, this is a dated reference, but his favorite video game at the blockbuster. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Maybe one of the laces on the ball caught the goalpost in just a certain way, but like physics-wise, I've never seen a football do that. Although footballs are shaped very stupidly, so they tend to do stupid things when yeah. uh, when they hit objects. Um, yeah, just just uh, just a bloodbath of a bounce. I feel yeah. so bad for the Arkansas special teams. Yeah, team. like. And he was crying afterwards, and I don't, and, and like I did not blame him because I no. would, I would cry too after that. So, absolutely, keep your head yeah, up. That's keep your head horrifying. up, kid. Um, yeah. Anyways, Texas A and M goes to three and one. Arkansas goes to three and one. Uh, Texas A and M's opponent uh, last week, Miami, had a not so great game. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> oh my God. Middle Tennessee State 45, Miami 31. This game was 41-17 MTSU at one point. Yeah, what the fuck happened here? I I just, like, we have been sold a bill of goods with Miami. We really have. Middle Tennessee State's leading receiver had two catches for 169 yards and two touchdowns. Like, this Middle Tennessee State program, I've said it on previous programs before, but they have no they usually have no juice. But this time they had juice. Uh uh Chase Cunningham, the quarterback from Middle Tennessee State, went tw- 16 of 25 for 408 yards and three touchdowns. Just how do you do this if you're Miami? Like how how do you let this happen? I, yeah, Middle Tennessee State was just... I mean, they had 507 yards on 14 first downs. Like, they were just popping <laughs> off huge play after huge play. Um, I just got to... Just some of these names here. 
The Middle Tennessee receiver with two catches for 169 yards and two touchdowns. His name is DJ England Chisholm. Incredible. A five foot seven player. Love that. Middle Tennessee State's running back <laughs> is named Frank Peasant. Let's go. Incredible. You got beat by a peasant. Oh, yeah. Literally. They played Jake Garcia. Miami played Jake Garcia in this game. They did not see Tyler Van Dyke out for the entire game. So, um, and Tyler Van Dyke's QBR was 22 out of 100. I don't usually use that stat, but I'm on ESPN's page right now. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember who said it, but Tyler Van Dyke thinks he can do anything, but he can't. Uh, throwing the football like his mind is more advanced than his arm is which that is yes. that is saying something mm-hmm. okay number 15 Oregon 44 Washington State 41 this had a wild ending uh Washington State was up 34 29 with like three minutes to go and then Oregon scores a touchdown and then Cam Ward my my boy my boy throws a pick six to make it 44 <laughs> um oh god that's a brutal ending for washington state and i know washington state fans thought that they should have been ranked which they may have should have been i i can't say for sure that they shouldn't have been um but oregon bounces back they get a huge win on the road good for the ducks i i again maybe we were too harsh on this team after georgia this team is pretty good i'd say yeah like yeah i i would say that they're probably comfortably in the eight nine ten ish game yeah win zone something like that yeah i'd say you're about and, right on that and it seems like washington state has the juice also um yeah which is good uh because i have to imagine that uh what's his name dickert yeah. uh I would have to imagine that just because he was the interim hire, um, uh, converted head coach, that he probably doesn't have the longest leash in the world. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, but I will say at Washington State, as long as you get your fucking vaccine, which get your fucking vaccine, kids, get your fucking booster, you have a long leash at Washington State. I think. Um, that's fair. Yeah. Washington State's three and one, they're pretty good. Oregon is three and one too, and they're also pretty good. So that's what we learned. Um the batshit the batshit score of the day for me is James Madison thirty two, Appalachian State twenty eight. I thought it was crazy that this team might be in the top half of the um Sunbelt coming in, which is why I asked Stephen Godfrey the question. And it turns out this team is four in fucking O. They were ready. Chase Bryce had a good game, but Todd Centio, the quarterback for James Madison, also had a pretty decent day. Um, yeah. James Madison scores 15 fourth quarter points to make it 32-28. Jesus Christ. What? Yeah, this was a... This was a 28-3. This was a honest-to-God, true 28-3 comeback. James Madison can play. Yep. They, they're they good. They're a good team. When I looked at the Sagren ratings, which is my favorite thing to, like, look at, like, in terms of, like, all the rating systems, just because it has all the Division One teams, 
I looked at James Madison and I thought, well, this team is usually top half of the Sun Belt every year, which is why I phrased the question why I, why I did in the um, preseason preview. But Appalachian State is two and two and also seems really good, so that's unfortunate <laughs> for them. That's uh, very unfortunate. Two and two, and them. I believe that they've lost their two games by a combined what, like six points? Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Poor guys. <laughs> Poor guys. Okay, we get to New Mexico State 45, Hawaii 26. Uh, good for New Mexico State and Cherry Kill. I know Hawaii is really bad this year. I thought that... I actually, when I did my preseason prediction article, I thought Hawaii would be okay enough to go like 5-8. and eight, Which, that looking back, that is way, way too... Um, that is way too optimistic. Um... <laughs> Good lord, Hawaii is bad this year. They are just... Um, Timmy Chang has a job to do. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, yeah, this is... Uh, I'm I'm pretty comfortable saying that Hawaii is one of the two or three worst teams in FBS. I... Yep, yeah, you're right about that. Um, and we get to... Because New Mexico State was also down there, and this was not... This was not close. No. Anyways, we get to our penultimate score of the weekend, which is Minnesota 34, Michigan State 7. Holy shit. Minnesota Minnesota beats the fuck out of teams. Minnesota might be not just sneaky good, but good. They're 4-0. Tanner Morgan was 23 of 26 in this game. And they have Muhammad Ibrahim back. This team may have something here. Like, I think... I think at the very least, they have to be the heavy, 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 heavy favorites to win the Big Ten West at this point. Yeah, because I can't think of anyone else that could challenge them. I mean, we we could say Wisconsin, but Wisconsin doesn't exactly inspire confidence either. So, yeah. 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 They only have one ranked game on their schedule right now, and it's at Penn State. Other than that, it's Purdue, Illinois, Penn State, Rutgers, Nebraska, Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin. Like, yeah, they could they could win 10 games there easily. No, it was 2019 where they won like 10 games. They won I think like so, yeah. Yeah, they won like 11 games and com- including their um their New Year's Bowl, which I think was against an SEC team, which I mean half of the Big 10's bowl games are against SEC teams, so whatever. <laughs> but uh, Super League. Yeah. Yeah. Last score for college football that we'll discuss. Kansas 35, Duke 27. Kansas is not ranked, um, sadly, which... Bullshit. Yep, bullshit. Um, Jalen Daniels is a baller, though. This this Kansas team is actually pretty good. Duke was maybe not as much in this game as the score dictates. They did have a chance at the end, but, uh, yeah, Kansas is... Kansas, um, it isn't... Good teams cover. Like, yeah, ab- <laughs> absolutely. Um, when Kansas hired Lance Leipold over Jeff Munkin, I know that some people were disappointed because they wanted to see Kansas give the triple a try. And Lance doesn't run the triple, but uh, Lance is going to punch you in the mouth over and over again with the, with the running run. game. It's uh, what he did at Buffalo, but... Uh, he never had a real quarterback. Well, I mean, he had Tyree Jackson, but like after after Tyree Jackson was gone, he never really had a quarterback that could do even a fraction of what Jalen Daniels can do. No. Um, yeah, this offense is really, really fucking fun to watch. 
it is quite different from what Leipold used to do at Buffalo, but it yeah. still feels like the same thing. Yeah, they do run the triple in, like, some regard. It's just that their run game is based mostly on the dive more than it is, like, a true triple. Um, yeah. So there's that from Kansas. Um, but, yeah, they get the win over Duke. They're 4-0. Um, will they stay 4-0? They've got Iowa State coming up, and then TCU, and then at Oklahoma, at Baylor, Oklahoma State, at Texas Tech, then Texas at home, and then they close out with Kansas State on the road. Yeah, I don't know if this Kansas story is going to last too much longer. They may get <laughs> the to... The internet's si- favorite 7-5 and five football team. Uh-huh. Something-something 8-win something which... Kansas, which that's... Which, like... That's insane. Before the season, you would have absolutely taken... You would have been like, holy shit, sign me up, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like, you would have... Like, we placed the over-under on Kansas at three, and I think believe yeah. that the actual Vegas over-under was two and a half, and they're already... They may double that this year, and even then, it nowadays, it would be considered a disappointment if they double it, which... God damn, Lance Leipold. Lance Leipold is really him. Just... Mm-hmm. He is he is definitely a ball coach. Um Okay. Katie. Katie. Presbyterian corner. Oh Jesus. But but I have a plot twist. In this week's Presbyterian corner, we aren't talking about Presbyterian. Oh god, who plot are twist, we, I know. Who are we talking about? Oh god. Are you familiar with Stephen F. Austin? I am familiar with Stephen F. Austin. Was... I'm sure you're familiar with what they did this week then. <laughs> They beat an NAIA team 98 to nothing. Jesus fucking Christ. They sure did. This game got scheduled at the last second, I guess, basically. Yeah. Um, I believe it was Incarnate Word. Yeah, I believe it was Incarnate Word that kind of waffled on them. So they ended up having to schedule this game instead. Oh, God. Stephen F. Austin is not a brilliant fcs team but they're competent they're a lot more competent than presbyterian this is a fucking bloodbath like warner at a certain point who is the naia school that they're playing warner even though they just got mauled they ran the ball 37 times to 20 pass attempts at a certain point they just wanted to not be on the field anymore yeah um this was and warner also won the time of possession game by eight minutes which is just (laughs) That's, that's... Christ. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah. I want to go to the end, though, just because, like, Stephen F. Austin could have made this 100 to nothing, and they didn't. Yeah. Stephen F. Austin scores a touchdown from 15 yards out while they're up 92 to, 92 to nothing. Obviously, at this point, if they kick the extra point and make it 99 to nothing, if they go for two, they hit triple digits. And they line up to go for two and take a fucking knee. I don't think I would have had the same grace as a coach because I would have absolutely gone for it. I would want to see the triple digits on the board, but I guess I'm just built different. So (laughs) I think I would want to see the triple digits on the board, but also isn't kneeling down more of a fuck you. Uh, yeah, it means that you quit. It means that you didn't play to the end. Also, this game was over before the first whistle was blown, and it shouldn't have happened. FCS teams shouldn't shouldn't be allowed to schedule that far down. Yeah, um, you should be able really to schedule D two, and that's it. Like that, like yeah, kind of like kind of like how like FBS teams aren't allowed to schedule anyone but FCS teams. 
they can schedule D2 games, but, like, it's so rare that, like, there's no need to have a regulation against it. I think this is more of a problem in basketball than it is in football, but mm-hmm. in football, it's more dangerous because someone can really get fucking hurt. And Yeah, like, seriously get injured. This game um, was shambolic. Game shouldn't have happened, but, uh, yeah, Presbyterian got got very soundly beaten by Davidson, by the way. (laughs) Of course they did. Onwards to the NFL. Because I'm, uh, I don't know, a little bored with the way that I've been structuring it lately, uh, I have a new format where instead of going broad i'm gonna go deep on a few things um so yeah we're calling it fourth and goal with victoria uh because i wanted to theme it in a vaguely cringe way so uh okay we are at first and goal katie the eagles are the best team in the nfl and it like isn't close really i think are you sure yeah I, I think so. I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. I don't, like, probably their only competition is the Bills, who just lost. Um, yeah, Jalen Hurts is playing really fucking well, like, both as a passer and as a runner. He's third in the league in passing yards right now. Um, and he's also running the ball at a very high level. He has three rushing touchdowns so far this year. The Eagles totally erased Washington. Yeah. Uh 24 to 8. Uh Devontae Smith had a had a fucking crazy game. He has eight catches for 116 169 yards and a touchdown. Um and that's just the Eagles offense. Their defense is also yep. extremely nice. They held the Their, uh Yeah, they held Washington to 240 yards of total offense and 3.2 yeah, yards they, per play. Jesus. They had nine sacks. Brandon Graham who is still in the NFL, my God. Brandon Graham throws two and a half on the pile. Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, and Josh Sweat all add one and a half. Javon Hargrave gets in on the action. Uh, Eagles have dudes on defense. Yeah, Eagles are really good. Like, I think the only way that I could figure out how to slow down this offense is just by, uh, by having an offense yourself that is able to score every possession. Like, try and get them into a negative game state and like really try and make Jalen Hurts air it out. Um, yeah. But even then in this game, the rushing game was not particularly effective. He was making it happen. Yeah. Uh, I, so yeah. I've seen some talk about him as a early MVP favorite, which if you had told me that, I, I, if you told me that I would have been absolutely gobsmacked. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh yeah, I think it's definitely within the realm of possibility if the Eagles continue on. Uh they're the only undefeated team left in the NFC. I think their schedule is relatively favorable. Um they do play in the NFL game of the week this week IMO. Uh the Jags <laughs> at the Eagles. God. God. Who would have It's actually going to be <laughs> It's going to be awesome. Um but yeah, uh, after that, they have the Cardinals, who don't look like anything special. They've got, presumably, the Cooper Rush Cowboys. Which also Steelers, don't look who... like anything special, as Monday Night Football proved. Uh... And then after that, Steelers, Texans, Commanders again, Colts, and that's through to the end of November, basically. Like Eagles have a really good chance of being the one seed in the NFC, and uh, 
yeah, yeah. it seems like Jalen Hurts is actually going to stick it out and be like the franchise dude there, which uh, I've always been a Jalen Hurts optimist, but even I'm not totally sure if I would have guessed that would have been the case. Um, yeah, I was a pessimist for Jalen Hurts. Um, I don't know if he's for real still yet because this is we are only three games into the season but yeah I'll I'll concede that maybe I was wrong about Jalen Hurts which is kind of wild to me because his college career was nothing to write home about like he had a good college career but I don't think I would have said this guy's an MVP candidate in the NFL based on that and if you look in the rest of his division, obviously, we've seen Washington at this point. We kind of know that they're still Washington. Uh, the Cowboys and Giants on Monday Night Football, uh, my my evil pick of the week ended up just being wretched. It was it was <laughs> it was not it was not a fun game to watch. No. Sterling Shepard tore his ACL. Uh, yeah, this game was ugly. Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen, it turns out. And Cooper Rush is efficient question mark but fucking boring i don't ever need to see that guy play football again after this year <laughs> oh, also cd lamb had some mind-blowing drops in that game where i'm just like wow, wow what uh my favorite tweet about that was uh someone said cd lamb's initials are cdl because that's what he's gonna have to get oh my fucking god <laughs> jesus oh, christ god. um okay so that was our first down play call. I think we picked up a few yards there. Uh, so now second and goal. Everyone before this season thought that the AFC West was going to be really good, but I think the AFC West kind of sucks. Yeah, we're getting to a point where injuries have decimated this division, and it just sucks overall. Like, the quality of play is not what we thought it would be. Yeah, um... Titans Titans take down the Raiders. The Raiders are uh, kind of of no fault of their own because they were in all three of these games. The Raiders are now 0-3. Um, I don't think that they're they that very... bad. I, I, truly, no. like, I truly don't think that they're that bad of a football team. They just have not had the bricks go against or go for them in the last couple of weeks. So, like, I don't think that they're bad or anything like that. I just think that other teams have gotten lucky against them. Yeah, um, it seemed like the Titans were able to kind of finally get the running game going yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's an accurate assessment. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I, re- I recall that Derrick Henry was able to get more than a few yards per carry each time, um, and yeah. the play-action passing game worked quite efficiently, too, at times. Yeah. So, yeah, like, the Titans did... Not necessarily what they wanted against the Raiders, but they definitely were able to move the ball well enough to obviously win the game. So, um, oh god. Rest of the AFC West. Colts 20, Chiefs 17. Uh, your boy Jelani Woods. Take a Yes! Yes! Oh my god, yes! Ah! Two touchdowns! Good for him. Two touchdowns! Ah! (laughs) And a game-winning touchdown. In his third game. <laughs> Those were his only two catches in the game. I don't care. Two catches, 13 yards, two touches. Two, <laughs> I mean, I mean, good for him. Good yeah. for him. Uh, uh, yeah, the Chiefs were super fucking messy in this game. 
Yeah, they just did not look all that lively on offense. And then in the second half, turned the ball over on downs. Matt Amendola, who's my least favorite kicker in the fucking universe to watch. It's 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 hard to explain why without a visual aid, but just watching yeah. him kick makes my like hip flexor hurt. Um, <laughs> he misses he misses a thirty four yard field goal late while the Chiefs were up seventeen to thirteen. Uh, Colts go on this long ass touchdown drive. A lot of Jonathan Taylor that uh, that ends in a Jelani Woods touchdown with twenty four seconds left. And yeah, this is a they get the ball at eight thirty eight and they just they just melt the fucking clock right down. Um, and Patrick Mahomes throws a pick uh, kind of as as time expires. Uh, the Colts have a win on the board, and I still don't think they looked all that great, but like, Matt Ryan didn't look like a corpse. Yeah. So, that's progress. You know, I don't think Kansas City is all bad. I mean, um, I'm reading an article right now. They're still seventh in the league in yards per game, and they're fourth in the league in points per game through the first three weeks. So, you know, that includes the Colts' loss, too. So, you know, I think that this offense is still good. They they clearly miss Tyreek Hill because there's just nobody to take the top off the defense like they should have. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster isn't going to do that. Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't going to do that. Um, I thought Miko Hardman could just because of how fast he is, but he's not really doing that either. So No. Yeah, I think they could probably get MVS or Hardman going, and that was probably their plan. Um, but yeah, they... Um, certainly against the Colts, they were not able to do that. They, they, they could not run the ball for shit either. Um, I don't think anyone expected them to be able to do that at a high level, but yeah, Clyde Edwards, Elair has seven carries for zero yards and a touchdown though. Good for him. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's always fun to see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chiefs looked plenty, plenty vulnerable here. Also the punter attempted a pass, uh, that was that was presumably why they they turned the ball over on downs. <laughs> yeah, the other team in the AFC West, our last victim that we're going to talk about here, the Broncos. Oh, what the Jesus. fuck was this game? <laughs> Jesus oh my Christ! God. I watched this game and I want my fucking money back. The Broncos had <laughs> nine fucking three and outs. It was so ass. Nine there were three so and outs. many punts in this game. Jesus fucking Christ. The Broncos' offense accounted for nine points. Jesus Christ. Yep. Three straight games of 16 points or fewer. Just. Yeah. The Broncos do not look like anything special on offense. Yeah, 16, 16, and now 11. Russ Russ made some plays when it mattered, I guess. Um, Yeah, he did. But, yeah, but this was still bad. Obviously, we have to talk about what what Jimmy Garoppolo did in which he walks out the back of his own end zone. Uh, (laughs) In a game game that finished 11 to 10, but in fairness, he did throw a pick six on that play. He threw a (laughs) pick. So, so thank God he stepped out the back of the end zone. Yeah. If he hadn't stepped out of the back of the end zone, it would have been worse. That is a veteran savvy move that Trey Lance wouldn't have made. (laughs) God. That's why he's got to be in there. Um, Jimmy G. Yeah, Jimmy eleven G has like two, two or three of these a game where he just, he just forgets how to play football. Niners are one and two. Uh, if things break a certain way this year, Katie, we might, 
we might be seeing your old pal Brock Purdy playing a little professional football. God, uh, yes. For the San Francisco 49ers. God, yes. I mean, why not? Why the fuck I'm not? I'm a sicko. I am a sicko, and I need to see that. Uh, okay. Second down. Uh, closer to the end zone for sure. I think we're inside the five-yard line now, so we got a third down play call. Uh, Katie, the Jacksonville Jaguars are actually good. Um, and I think... I think it has more to do with Doug Peterson being good than it does with Urban Meyer sucking. I think you're probably right. I I just... Trevor Lawrence finally looks like the quarterback that we all thought he would. Um, Trevor Lawrence is good, it turns out. Yeah, it's almost like he was the number one pick or something. <laughs> um, yeah, they blew the fuck out of the Chargers 38-10. to 10. Um, Yeah, <laughs> the second half of this game is a fucking bloodbath. The second half of this game starts with the Jags up six. So, like, the game is well in hand. Uh-huh. The Chargers go on a field goal drive. Jags touchdown. Uh, that is a 50-yard James Robinson carry for the touchdown. The Chargers punt. Jags go on this big, long, gross drive that ends in a Christian Kirk touchdown. Chargers turn the ball over on downs. And then the Jags go on another long, gross drive that ends in a Marvin Jones touchdown. Uh, yeah, that's how the game gets out of hand. <laughs> the Jags look actually good. Trevor Lawrence is, turns out, is like a top twelve quarterback right now today. Yeah, um, that well, didn't ta- mean, that <laughs> that didn't take long. Yeah, I mean we all. I mean if you watched the film from last year and the first couple games of this year, you would have seen that like he when he has time to throw, he can sling it. Um. Um. Yeah, I. The Jacks had 413 yards of total offense compared to the Chargers' 312. Um, yards per play were even, though. It was 5.5 for the Jags to 5.4. Jags look like the team with the most pulse in the AFC South. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, I... You know, when I did my Jags preview, like, back in April, I thought, oh, this team will be... This team will go 7-10 and 10 or 6-11 and 11 and will show promise throughout the year, but I didn't have them going 2-1 and one and ending up being the team in the AFC South that looks most like that they'll be able to win the damn thing. Like, I didn't think that yeah. that was going to happen. Not only is Trevor Lawrence ahead of schedule, because I thought that we'd have another year before I had to worry about Trevor Lawrence quarterbacking a team in the playoffs, and it doesn't look like we'll get that. It mm-hmm. looks like we're already going to have to deal with another one of these fuckers in the AFC. <laughs> <sighs> it looks like we're going to have to do that again. Um, not only that, but their defense is fucking good. They have dudes on defense. Um, Tyson Campbell can play. Tyson Campbell is a good corner. Um, also, Devin Lloyd is playing his ass off. Um, I think Devin Lloyd might not be the outright favorite, but he's up there for favorite for defensive rookie of the year. Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker both both look good on the edge. Um, Jags, Jags, Jags looks Jags look really fucking good. Uh, yeah, that's uh Chargers, huh? Um, yeah, one and Chargers. two. One and two. Chargers are in a rough spot. Chargers are a close game against the Raiders in week one from being in a very bad spot. Yeah. Well, my fucking my fucking Super Bowl pick. God damn. <laughs> You're the one who believed in the Chargers. I did also believe Joey in the Bosa's Ch- out for two months. I did believe in Just... the Chargers. I thought like 
I thought all the signings that they had made would make a difference. Um, it turns out that charging is still a thing, unfortunately. I don't care how many people warn me about it, you know. It's time. Okay, third down. We are at the one-yard line. It's time to punch the ball in. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Dolphins 21, Bills 19 is the weirdest NFL game I've seen in, like, forever. Like, mm-hmm. in, in, in like, a really long time. So, to set the stage, it is swelteringly hot in Miami. Um, humidity puts it, uh, puts the feels-like temperature up towards 100. Um, yeah. Neither team is particularly well-conditioned for it. There's lots of cramping, but the Bills definitely get the worst of it. Uh, they were already very banged up going into this game. But uh, by the end of the game, the Bills have their 10th offensive lineman, I believe, in the game at center. Uh-huh. So that's what we're dealing with there. Uh, they already come into this game, by the way, without without Mitch Morse. And the Bills only have one guy on the whole roster who can snap. Which, if I, mm-hmm. if I was a football team, I would probably have more than one. But yeah. Either way, they already go into this game down Mitch Morrison with Greg Van Roten snapping. Um, but I, it's hard to even know where to start with the injuries that the Bills faced in this game. It's, like, maddening. Because they already lost Micah Hyde for the whole season coming into this game. Jordan Poyer's out, so you have Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin playing corner. In the first half of this game, I believe, Christian Benford fractures his hand. So now the Bills are playing Jamarcus Ingram, who's an undrafted free agent out of Buffalo. Um, they have him. They they have him on Tyreek Hill. Oh no! So, oh so, no! <laughs> here's the insane thing, Katie. I don't know if you have the stats for this game. I do. But ha- I have. Yeah, I have them up. <laughs> it didn't even matter because the Bills ran ninety plays and the Dolphins ran thirty nine. The Bills had 500 yards of total offense almost. Yep, they had 497 and the Dolphins had 212. (laughs) The the time of possession is just equally mind-blowing. It's like Tennessee-Kentucky last year where Tennessee won despite only having 15 minutes of possession. The Dolphins had it for 19 minutes and 20 seconds and won this game. The Bills, like, MO on on offense, especially early in the game, uh, is is to go on these, like, big, long drives. And they do that twice right away. Um, on the very first drive, it's 10 plays, 75 yards, 6 minutes. Touchdown. Dolphins have to punt. <laughs> Josh Allen fumbles the ball inside his own 10. The Dolphins clean up, put it in the end zone on a, on a like, 6-yard field. So, you know, um, the Dolphins don't have much of a chance to add to their yardage total there. But then the Bills go on another long-ass drive. The Dolphins match it with a long-ass drive of their own. Going to half, basically 14-14. At this point, the Bills are down like everyone. Uh, Tommy Doyle tore his ACL in this game. Jake Kumro had a high ankle sprain. Uh, Spencer Brown checks out of the game due to heat illness. Stephon Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie, I believe, both go to the locker room at one point, dealing with cramping and, and, and heat illness. Uh, Josh Allen had to have his hand x-rayed after this game. Oh, um, no. And and then on the other side, the Dolphins are also suffering, I mean, not quite as many, but, like, if you didn't have the Bills going through tragicomic calamity constantly, you'd be yeah. like, holy shit, what's up with the Dolphins? Um, just just I'm, constant I'm watching cramping. a drop pick six from Matt Milano, 
I'm watching yeah. Gabe Davis almost have a touchdown. Ugh. I'm watching. I am watching Josh Allen almost spike the ball. Um, thank you oh, to Buffalo. God. Thank you to Buffalo Rumblings for this, by the way. And we have a missed touchdown pass to um, Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's go through those insane events in chronological order. So fourteen to fourteen, Bills have the ball just before half. Um, remember how I said that the Bills have a center who can't snap? Yeah, because it's uh, um, yeah, because it's Greg Van Roten, a guard. Meanwhile, the Bills have on roster today Greg Manx, who's been around the block in the NFL a million times. He has over a thousand NFL snaps at center. Um, he has snapped the ball thousands of times, but instead Greg Van Roten's in there. Even though Greg Manx outperformed him in camp, he's not playing. Greg Van Roten is. Um, Greg Van Roten botches a fumble, or botches a snap at the worst moment, which is when the Bills are trying to spike the ball at the end of the first half to kick a field goal. So Allen, knowing that if he spikes it, he's just getting a penalty, he whips the ball out to Diggs, and he's fucking pissed. Um, but it isn't like he just totally malfunctioned. Like, there was a reason why yeah, I'm, he I'm watching didn't get the snap now. off there. Yeah, like yeah, he's God, bobbling the snap because he doesn't think that he's going to get it. He just yeah yeah, and he just tosses it off and yeah. Oh God! And then okay, we get to the second half. Miami punts after receiving the ball at the start of the half. The Bills go on a nine-minute drive. Normally, in a football game, going on long drives is a good thing. I would say because mm-hmm. it gives your defense time to recover, get their stamina up, whatever. The Bills in this game did something that I've never seen an offense do in my life. Uh-huh. Which is, they went on a drive so long that they tuckered themselves out. Yeah, not were, sure I've ever seen when that. When he plays eighty-seven yards, ten minutes or nine twenty-two off the clock. This is the drive where Josh puts the ball in the hands of Gabe Davis and Keon Crossan makes an unbelievable play to punch it out. The Bills just fucking tuckered themselves out here. Um, so they managed to to kick a field goal. The Dolphins punt it right back because the Dolphins refused to do anything in this game outside of like two drives. The Dolphins had two drives, basically, and that was it. That's all it took. Mm. Um, next Bills drive, uh, Tyler Bass misses a field goal that's well within his means. Um, it looked like a weird hold. I couldn't totally tell. The ball just looked really weird coming off his foot. Um, Dolphins end up in a third and 20 fucking two on their next drive after a Greg Russo sack. Tua hits Jalen Waddle for 40 fucking five yards. Splits the safeties, which is something you can only do if Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer aren't there. Jaquan Johnson is a player that I'm pretty high on, but both Johnson and Hamlin just kind of got picked on in this game, which makes some sense. This was brutal. Like, that 45-yard completion on on 3rd and 22 was... It felt like the dagger, even though it wasn't. Um, Because the Bills have have another crazy long drive in which they tucker themselves out by the end. That leads to first and goal from the Miami 2... Singletary picks up a yard. Two-minute warning. Allen loses a yard. Allen tries to find Diggs on third and two. And then, on fourth and goal, Allen skips a pass on the fucking turf for Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, Um, he missed a throw. Yeah, he missed a throw. Um, He could have had Stephon Diggs, but um, he had Isaiah McKenzie wide open in the flat. And, like, he throws off his back foot. That's what it looks like he does. He throws off his back foot and he throws off balance. 
like I said, I've never seen an offense like like tire themselves out before, but the Bills were just moving too slowly. Like Josh Allen was just fucking beat. He ended up having over 60 pass attempts in this game. Um, and he was also the only way that they could move the ball on the ground, basically, was was with his legs. So he just got beat the fuck up in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dolphins take over at their own, too. Uh, and the Bills almost dumped them for a safety right away. But uh, they have to punt. And for the very first time in anyone's life, I think, this, this may have happened before in college. I certainly don't think I've ever seen it in the NFL. But... <sighs> Thomas Morstead punts the ball against Trent Sherfield's ass. Just, just, just absolutely <laughs> Did magical. Did you see Vanderbilt's um, Twitter account? Because they had, like... I saw that! <laughs> yeah! Yeah, where... Vols, Vols in the NFL. <laughs> oh my Having God. balls punted against their own ass. There is a really good photo of this in which you can see Trent Sherfield's ass ripple from the impact <laughs> of the ball. Um... So then, after after Allen fucking chokes, he's got another shot, and uh, yeah, this drive wasn't really Allen's fault. Uh, the Bills have no timeouts because both teams have been using timeouts in order to not fucking die in the heat, so they don't have timeouts stored up for end of game situations. So yeah, Bills, I, yeah, Bills. I, uh, this is a frustrating game for Buffalo. Um. You're still for Buffalo is still the best team in terms of the advanced ratings, I think. But yeah, this is just a frustrating game to lose. Like I can't imagine being on the losing end of it. <laughs> it, it, um, yeah. Like the thing about it is that like everything went wrong for the Bills. Yeah. Like th- there was only one turnover in the whole game, and it's it's a fumble that was recovered at their own six. Yeah. You know, um. The Bills are, like, came into this game already extremely shorthanded, and then they just keep losing dudes like crazy. Jamarcus Ingram was covering Tyree Kill, and I can't think of a worse first day on the job than that. Um, (laughs) It's tough, and the safeties kind of got put on an island too. Uh, But Allen goes 42 for 63. (laughs) Jesus Christ. 42 completions on 63 attempts, plus... Four sacks taken, plus eight carries for 47 yards, and he took some hard hits. He took some hard hits. Um, yeah, he had his hand x-rayed after the game. There's a good chance that that also contributed to him skipping the ball to Isaiah McKenzie. Is that he just, like, he had a sore hand from one of the many hits he took. Yeah, this game fucking sucked. But even even despite all that, the Bills absolutely should have won it. Missed field goal, dropped touchdown. Yeah, like, it, botched, missed opportunities cost you all this game. And that's, yeah, that's painful. It is brutal. And they're, like, they don't really get a chance to breathe. They have to turn around and play Baltimore. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's fucking tough. <laughs> um, they have a chance to get some of their guys back, but it looks like they're not going to get most of them back, so... Yeah, Bills Bills might be 2-2 two and two here shortly, and then right after that they have to play the Steelers and the Chiefs before the bye. So you're looking at, like, possibly the 3-3 three and three Bills. Um, yeah, yeah, and they could Dolphins, still be the best team in the NFL after that, which is... Yeah. Dolphins are 3-0, and oh, and they, they, I mean, they made plays when they had to in this game, but they, but, like, 
their offense only looked alive for like I don't know two drives other than that they didn't do anything that impressed their defense played pretty well but uh yeah I guess Tua made the one throw he had to make so Dolphins are 3-0 fuck me shoot me in the face (sighs) I would but that would be bad I don't want to do that (laughs) it would be bad yeah no that's not good uh football emotions are tough they are they are but you know what (laughs) this podcast is a way to work through them so that's right (sighs) okay i think that's a podcast um katie where can the people find you online i am at kates of heaven on twitter i I am writing for Fansided, but I'm taking a little bit of a break because Katie needs a little breaky every now and again. So, uh, I am still over at Dirtbag Queer on Twitter, doing doing the normal thing. Um, if you like the show, you should follow at Tuck Rule Pod on Twitter for news and updates, and also you should leave a five star rating and a written review because we'll read the written review on the show. Uh, so yeah, you should do that. I think we're just about out of here. Um, I do just want to say real quick, Katie, before you take the show out, um, this will not be the only uh, episode that drops in your feed this week. No, no, it won't. It's uh, we have something special. Yeah, we have something very special planned. So stay tuned. Uh, Watch this space on Saturday morning for a special Tennessee Volunteers episode with the one, the only... Holly Anderson. That's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Not a joke. We're going to do that. Uh, Katie, why don't you get us out of here? Uh, Tim Couch eats bussy. <laughs>